everyone. Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. Uh, <laughs> should we do brief introductions? Let's be briefer this time, I suppose. Um, I'm Donnie. Oh, I'm Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you're the veteran, I'm the newbie. <laughs> I, yeah, I, was, I was thinking about it, and I was like, no, I want Frank to start talking. I don't want to hear myself. Anyway, um, my name is Donnie. I am the Degrassi veteran. I'm... I've never seen the show before, and the first two episodes we watched were kind of rough, so this was a nice, refreshing change of pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, so we watched, last week we watched the for the two-parter, it was kind of the opening for the series, and now we're getting to a slightly different change of pace, uh, episode three, which is called Family Politics. Uh, Frank, would you like to give us our A-plot and B-plot for this episode? Is it really? Oh, well, the A plot... There is two different yeah. plots. They're <laughs> um, just very intertwined. The A plot is Toby and Alexis. Those are the names, right? Mm, Alexis? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just as a hint, in the beginning of the episode, who gets the opening shot? That's your A plot. Okay. Uh... uh it's Toby and somebody else, his, his new stepsister, but he refuses to call her his stepsister. <laughs> you um, don't remember her name. Oh, no. <laughs> I only watched it an hour ago. <laughs> um, okay. Ashley. Ashley, thank you. I was like, um, it's a different A name that's somewhat common. Um, um, I'm like trying not to teacher voice you. I'm okay. like trying really hard not to. It's gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna be the true challenge of this podcast is to not be a condescending jerk. Well, it's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> have you heard my other podcast? That's all my sister does to me. But, she, but neither of you guys are jerks. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like you, you finding constant podcast net, or like podcast situations in which you can be condescended to. There's <laughs> quite a bit to unpack with that one. Yeah. Would you like to try? Try again now that you know the name? Okay, so um, Ashley and Toby are having uh, are having sibling problems because they're new siblings. Uh, Toby and his dad just moved into Ashley and her mom's house. And Toby decides that we're going to enter the B-plot by messing up the student body president election for Ashley. By yeah. by getting in JT. Yeah. yeah. And also, there's a C plot where it's just like, 8th graders are a bunch of dinguses. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, we totally beefed it last episode. I forgot they go into middle school at the beginning of the series, but also, like, I was, I just, I just messed that up, because they straight up say, like, establish Emma's 12, and as a teacher, I should have known that she is not going to high school. Yeah. And that is truly bad on my part. However, um, I guess that's kind of something to think about. I mean, Degrassi has always done middle school, like, so that's not terribly surprising, but yeah, no, we got, we got that sweet revisiting of being an eighth grader and a seventh grader, and they made it very <laughs> clear. It is very different being a seventh grader and an eighth grader, and honestly, as somebody who taught middle school, it's true. Uh, did you go to middle school? Did I go to a middle school? Yeah. I went to a school actually kind of like Degrassi, which was like a junior-senior high school type of situation. Where, like, um, you would, like, finish up, basically my school was, like, you would do, like, K through 
fourth grade and then you would do five and six at another school so it would be like an upper like an upper elementary slash lower middle school and then you would transition to the junior senior high school so he was seventh and eighth in like one part of the building and then you moved to the high school part for the last four years yeah i come from i come from such a small town that like basically it was like there's no point in like having like three schools We'll just mm. have two. So you finished in sixth grade, and then you were just bumped straight up to the high school, which was mm. seven through twelve, because there was three hundred kids in the entire school. Oh my goodness! I was, I was thirteenth in a class of fifty-two. Oh my god! No, my of my senior year, um, and those the, the honor students and like the top tier kids in my school, they got really cutthroat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Technically, that's, like, actually what educational theorists, like, like. They think that the lack of transition actually helps students, which... I don't know. I, I've never had a problem with it. That's good. Like, um... The thing was, I had thought my sister was going to be in school with me, but she ended up going... Like, there were also these, like, I guess you would call them magnet schools. I never yeah. really understood the whole magnet... I public school all the way. Um, but well, like, magnet schools are usually... Sorry, teacher coming in. They're usually pu- publicly funded. It's just that it's a different student population or a more targeted par- t- student population that can apply into the school. So whether it's, like, academically, like, really, really great, or maybe you're interested in visual and performing arts, it kind of depends on the district, but they okay. do... Or, like, the county, they do, like, specialized schools, but technically they're public school. Okay, well, this was, like, the Marine Academy of Science and Technology, and, mm. like, High Tech High. I tried to get into that one, and I did not. Um, but, like, so Susie left, and I was just kind of on my own. And I thought I was going to get, like, shoved into lockers and whatnot, but nobody gave a shit. Gave a shit. <laughs> yeah, I... I'm like, okay, so like whenever I consume media that talks about middle school, I try to remember my own middle school experience, and I feel like the more I do middle school stuff, or like more I consume middle school media, the more I realize how little I actually remember. I feel like if I was like to lay out the timeline of my time in 7th and 8th grade, like, it's like, I put a lot of safety pins in my clothes. I came out as bi. And then it's like nothing. And like, oh, I did marching band in eighth grade. And like, that's like all I remember. Like, I remember high school pretty well, but I maybe that speaks to like either how mundane or just how unfulfilling my middle school experience was. I mean, yeah. Like, I remember playing a lot of Smash Brothers in seventh and eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, but also, like, as a teacher, there is something to be said, like, there is a difference between seventh and eighth graders. And, like, if you meet seventh and eighth graders, especially when you're teaching, there is a huge difference between them. And, um, I have to commend Degrassi on kind of nailing that because, like, seventh graders are interesting. They're trying to figure themselves out. And we kind of see that with these characters where you have them all asking the big question of identity, which is like, you know, what kind of high school, junior high student am I going to be? Am I going to try and reinvent myself? Am I going to try and do something different? Am I going to stay the same? Um, And we kind of see that and we see those scuffles happening, especially with the seventh grade. And then the eighth grade, we see some experimenting with identity and some trying to be something different. But more importantly, eighth graders think that eighth grade is the absolute be all end all of existence it is the most important thing 
ever. And they think that, like, they're the top dogs, and they think that they're, like, you know, they are the best thing ever, and because of that, they are entitled to this type of stuff. So Ashley, like, being, feeling that she was entitled to being the student council president, feeling like she deserved it by virtue of being older, was real especially as someone who works with kids that are that young sometimes i'm like oh ooh we she is an eighth grader <laughs> like ooh we so should we get into it yeah yeah um whew. so so you have your a plot and your b plot and they're super intertwined we're like the first episode they were while like the events of the a plot and the b plot lined up with each other and impacted one and the other um, this one is just explicitly, like, these are entangled in each other. And it's certainly because of that whole sibling. Yeah. Although, like, are they technically officially, they're not, the parents aren't married yet, yeah? I think so. But they live with each other. Yeah. But, like, the sibling dynamic, the idea of being siblings, I guess it is, doesn't matter if it's legally happening, it's emotionally happening yeah. at that point. Um, and we kind of see... Um, we kind of see what Toby's like outside of the first episode. The first episode we see him... <laughs> I'm just going to repeat that. Um, we see we see Toby in a way that's a little different from the first episode. The first time around we see him. We know that he's friends with JT because of camp. We know that he's actually a pretty decent kid um, who's really trying to help Emma even though he hasn't really interacted with her very much. Um, but this time around we kind of see him in a different way. We see him having dealing with strife in the form of an older sibling figure um which i've seen as the older sibling i i have been the older sibling to a younger sibling which was around that age gap so Susie and i never really um argued like this so it's hard mm. for me to like kind of connect like uh, like i i i if you've listened to teen girl talk you're here that my sister bosses me a lot but it was just it wasn't like, she was never mean. Like, we, you know, constantly be like, oh, you smell, you're dumb, you're adopted, which is, there's nothing wrong with being adopted. We were young and stupid. Um, we were, we were both stupid. Um, there's a secret third Coda sibling that mom and dad didn't like, so they threw in the basement. That's what gonna, they're going to do to you. That's what Susie told me. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds, sounds like an older sibling thing. But, like, she was always on my side, which I think was, like, a big difference to, like, us growing up. Like, it was never Susie and me versus each other. It was Susie and I versus the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, like, I, I remember once... I rubbed my fi- I, I used to go running every afternoon, and one day I grabbed a leaf to wipe away the sweat. I did not realize it oh, was no. poison ivy. Oh, no. <laughs> so my right eye got swollen shut. <laughs> and, like, Susie came home from college, and she saw me for the first time, and she's just like, tell me who did that, and I will break them in two. Oh. <laughs> That's really sweet, actually. <laughs> Susie, Susie had a lot of anger back then. It was like looking for an out, outlet for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, like I, I, I can really relate to this. I can't really relate to sibling strife. But like, what was it like for you? Like, 
Ooh, baby. I mean, I don't want to get dark on here, especially episode two, but um, you'll probably pick up, especially because family is such a component of Degrassi, and like, I feel like inevitably when you talk about Degrassi, you talk about your personal experiences with the topics that happen in Degrassi, hence like, we just spent forever kind of talking about siblings in middle school and our personal experiences. My sibling relationship um, it was fraught forever, basically. Um, I come from a very conservative household, which when you are a trans queer kid and you knew it since around middle school, it doesn't, it results in a lot of strife. Mm -hmm. So we did have kind of the playful sibling stuff that you're kind of speaking to. Um, my brother wasn't really explicitly homophobic or transphobic to me. Um, however, you, he, you know, you could tell that he had that mentality. It's weird. I guess, uh, it's like one of those things where like, instead of us actually talking about it, we would just avoid each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what you see. You see this weird thing happening where Ashley and Toby feel like, well, Ashley specifically talks about feeling like overwhelmed and that everything kind of goes back to Toby yeah. because her mother is trying so desperately to get in Toby's good graces and make this relationship work, which is totally valid. And I understand this, this push. Um, I think I saw that a lot with my brother where I, you know, I didn't really want to interact with him. He didn't really want to interact with me, but he was the one that played baseball and he was the one that played football. So my dad coached his stuff. They went to his games and it kind of was like, I, I felt Ashley in that moment where I was like, you know, God dang it. Like, why does it always go back to my brother? Like, why does this always happen? And like, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm a good kid. And like Ashley, like at least Ashley at this point in the story, like I didn't run for student council president or anything, but I, I was kind of one of those good kids. Like I, was not the type that would get a detention. I wasn't the type of kid to mouth off at a teacher. I was very like, I want, and I think this also kind of speaks to being like a baby queer and trans kid, which was very like, I want to go to school. I want to get good grades. I want to go to college. I want to be out of here. And I feel yeah. like that's a mentality that I had very young. Um, so I didn't have this need to like prove myself continuously like Ashley does, but I understand her feelings toward um, feeling undermined. Um, even in her case, even if in her case it's a shorter amount of time than my experience, like, I understand, especially at that age, just wanting to be noticed and wanting to be validated and not having it always go back to her little brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, it's, okay, so, so obviously, like, the key component of this plot is elections, and, like, okay, I can never tell when an election plot happens in teen media, how much of it is supposed to be satire of actual election commentary and, and election commentary, or how much of it is there is legitimately a population of people who had really dramatic experiences of student council elections? <laughs> like I can never tell. <laughs> it's the same thing I've I've uh, with school newspapers, where they're like, "We need this for the school newspaper, and it's so important." I'm like, "Really." <laughs> It's like, it's like, is this really breaking news? Like, is, is the history fate of the world? I, I mean, I, I, I will concede, as somebody who has worked at a couple schools at this point, the newspaper is really, like, depends, it hinges so much on, like, the teacher who runs it, and, like, how much that teacher kind of invests in the kids. Like, if it's just a bunch of kids hanging out on their laptops after school, no, it's not going to be too much. Um, but I do know that, like, at least, like, when I was working, um... At one of the high schools I was working at, I know that the big deal was, like, who was going to be the editors. 
mm-hmm. of certain sections and columns and stuff like that. And that became a big deal because it was like, well, she doesn't do anything. She finishes up the articles and doesn't take the time to edit. She doesn't give feedback very quickly. I don't like her as the editor. Like that type of stuff would happen. Yeah. I don't know if it was like, once again, I think that, but I think like newspaper plots fall into a similar thing where it's like, how much of this is satire <laughs> and how much of this is genuinely like, oh, this is really serious because I'm 14 and this feels like everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, when I was watching this and they're like, we're going to run a joke campaign. And it's just like. Oh boy, this seems really relevant now. Yeah, right. I love. Okay, no joke. Like, but JT did the right thing. Yeah, no, JT did the right thing. Yes, yes. In in this is the alternative universe in which JT understood when the joke had to end. Um, but I will say, like, I loved his flyers that Toby made. It was like JT York unremarkable like unknown (laughs) it's like one other thing and it was like legitimately the like really good just i it got a laugh out of me (laughs) when though i i was just i could feel the cringes like arriving on their bus when he's just like this will be a perfect chance to practice my stand-up and i'm like oh god please do not make me watch this (laughs) 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 it's like it's it's whenever there's a character in a piece of media you'll find this especially in like Stephen King movies and whatnot because <laughs> he always has a funny in massive air quotes character yeah who is not funny <laughs> yeah yeah and then like you add the fact that this is a 12 year old and like I'm sorry if you want to do anything realistic which Degrassi is trying really hard to do there's no way this kid's actually gonna be funny yeah like, it's impossible. Like, maybe once in a while you get a chuckle, but, like, you know this is a kid whose only grasp of, like, oh, man, I was going to make, like, a YouTube reference, and then I realized YouTube wasn't really a thing yet in this. But I was going to say, like, he's the type of kid who, I guess, like, what, takes out comedy albums from the library, I guess, and just, like, plays them repeatedly on his Walkman, and then just, like, basically copies the stand-up routines, like... To a T, but like it's to his little friends who haven't heard it yet, so it's successful in his eyes. <laughs> He's like, hey, Toby. <laughs> but like, I'm sure all those comedians probably talk about adult things, like, so wives, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Toby thinks it's a riot. He's like, wow, JT, you're so funny. Yo, dude. Like, that's what I imagine in my head. <laughs> I don't even mean, like, a super blue routine. It's just like, man, I just hate how my wife does the dishes. (laughs) And I'm trying to watch TV. (laughs) Yo, one of my favorite things was, like, being a young child and being able to just... My parents are like, yeah, just get whatever you want from the library. So you could just go buck wild and get whatever, like, get anything. My parents are like, yeah, it's books, it's who cares. Well, like... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, even looking at Degrassi, like, right now it's pretty innocuous, but, like, there's a couple plots that are kind of racy, and I mean, uh, I haven't rewatched them in a while, I cannot attest to, like, their accuracy, or if it's really supposed to just try and, like, make it an outrageous thing, but, like, Degrassi, like, was touching upon topics that I don't think my parents would actually have allowed me to do if I was not, like, you know, tucked in the basement watching it on the end at the time, like, if... I was like my I was like I was sneaking it pretty well and like I 
Like, even that alone, I don't think. My parents would have been too thrilled. Uh, so I bought about age 14, I bought the, because I was desperate for anime back then. Because oh, no. it, it was not as readily available as it was now. Yeah. So I bought the complete box set of Neon Genesis Evangelion. You know, that's about the age I watched it, which is definitely <laughs> not the right age to watch that series, but oh boy. Did you, Formative. Did you watch the movie? Oh yes, don't worry, I watched the whole <laughs> darn thing. All of it. I was just, look, I'm just sitting in my room, and I'd never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Like, the like for those who don't know, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is a movie about angst, and sometimes people get in robots and fight monsters. Yeah. Like, uh, it's heavily influenced Pacific Rim and whatnot. And then there's this movie called End of Evangelion, which is this deal with the devil. Because the creator, Hideaki Anno, ended it in this, like, super trippy... Like, we ran out of money kind of way, where it's just the characters examining themselves and each other. And it's very artistic. It has, yeah, it has moments. I, I enjoy the ending. Yeah. Like, I haven't rewatched it since I was 14, but I remember liking it. So, um, please, I, I must revisit it and update my statement later. Anyway. Um, so then, but then, like, the fans start sending death threats to Hideaki Anno and all this other stuff. Doesn't he, like, put the death threats in the yeah. movie itself? Which is my favorite instance of pettiness I had heard <laughs> in a long time, and I love it. Well, that whole movie is nothing but pettiness. True, true. <laughs> like, like, one day I hope, well, I hope I don't end up exactly in that situation, but if I ever do, that's what's happening. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Because, like, the, and essentially he's just like, oh, you want an ending? I'll give you a fucking ending. So you just see every character you love die in a yeah. horrible, disgusting way. And, like, there's a part I watched when I was 14. It fucked me up. Um, then there's another part. I watched the same part again when I was, like, 30. Still fucked me up. Yeah. I wonder if it's, like, it reminds me a lot of, like... I don't know, it feels like almost like the opposite of the end of The Sopranos, where the creator was like, you love blood and guts, but you're not gonna get it. <laughs> and, like, just cuts it off. Like, I feel like a lot of creators, when they create, when they do these types of things, like, that are so much of, like, a monolith, and then, like, they are presented with this issue of ending, it's like, I feel like all you, all these people do at the end of it is just go full petty. It's like, <laughs> what can I do to piss people off? And, like, there's there's two instances right there in the directions you can go in, and it's it's wild to me. It's interesting. I'm really, though, I I feel like we're coming to the, we're coming to the end of Game of Thrones. There's only, like, one more season. But honestly, I feel like they're going, they're going kind of too fan servicey in this one. I have not watched this in season two, but I will take your word for it. All right, yeah. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. I, I thought you had watched, but... All right. Um, so, also in this first episode is our first appearance of Drake. Woo! Oh, yeah. So, like, this episode introduces... We haven't even touched upon this yet. This episode introduces so many characters. Yeah, I was starting to lose track of them. Obscene. Um, and some of them are, are my favorites, honestly. Like, some of my favorite Degrassi characters get introduced during this part. Um, really, okay, only one of them in particular, which is Paige. Who, by the way, has the most, like, iconic outfits. This girl has, like, two outfits in this episode. And they are, like, these amazing time capsules in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, so, like, if you... So, like, um, you see the theme for the first time, which really sets the stage for this. Which, by the way, I forgot how big cell phones were around 2003. 
Yeah. Um, I absolutely forgot. There's this great scene where um, somebody is f- filming Paige talk about her bag. Yes! And then, like, she starts getting into detail, and they just turn around and run away. <laughs> Paige is like, okay, okay, I must I must concede this, and, and perhaps I'm going to assume that this is something that you, Frank, have quite a bit of experience with, but the... The, the queen bee character in teen media mm-hmm. like the one who's very allegedly fashionable yeah. the one who commands attention um i love that type of character and i think it's because of Paige. um i love Paige a lot i love that she's super petty um i love that she like she has a camera on her and she's like oh well do you like my new sunglasses here's what they look like and like she's the I don't know, like, I love characters like that because I feel like they they are good reminders that, like, you, you're in eighth grade and you don't know very much of the world yet. There's yeah. something weirdly innocent about the fact that they tried to not be innocent. Yeah. It's just like, we, we're trying to grow up so quickly, yeah. like... Like, she's straight up wearing a shirt that says hottie on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like straight up, and if you've seen the opening from that, the first season... Um, maybe you don't remember this episode, but if you've seen the opening, it's like the shirt, It's in, she's introduced with that shirt in the opening where, like, I feel like she's getting dress-coded in that or something like that. I'm trying to remember. Or, like, the principal's looking at her I don't... and, like, not too happy with her shirt. I might be making that up. We might have to cut that part. Anyway, she's... Uh, she's in... I, I've learned just leave mistakes, <laughs> some mistakes in. Great. That one's um, fine. <laughs> but anyway, with her, like, she's wearing this kind of, like, red shirt. It has, like, hottie and yellow font. It's a little cropped in, like, that that way that, like, none of the... No girls, and I say this as somebody who wore a lot of these shirts in 2003, like, those, like, girls fit shirts that fit nobody. <laughs> like, if you had hips, they did not fit you, and everything was slightly cropped. Like, she she's rocking one of those. It's, it's this iconic look. Um... But yeah, no, it's just like, we see Paige, we see how petty she is, we know she has beef with, like, with Ashley, we see her roll her eyes, like, I don't know, there's something about that type of character, and I might be a little biased, because, like, I know how Paige's story continues, but, like, I love her. She's <laughs> so great, like... I mean, it... I'm sorry. It's okay, no, I just love her. I was just gonna say, it's nice to, like... It's, it's an odd thing, to because it's just... Like, seeing a woman in a position of, like, some authority and power, even if it's only, like, I'm ruling over the other girls and people in this school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, like, Mean Girls, we see it used not for the best intentions, but it's still just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> like, Yeah. Because it's just, you know, when we see men in positions of power, it's almost always terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... It's interesting, and it's also kind of cool because we see that Paige is not, like, the queenest bee. Like, yeah. she's still working on it. She she has world domination on her sights, but she's not there yet. Is she in 7th grade? She's in 8th grader, I believe. Oh, okay. I believe she's the same grade as Ashley and then Terry, who we get to meet. Um, she's the one with the uh, cropped hoodie that matches Ashley's in the opening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, we get to meet Terry, um... Which, Terry's also in the first episode very briefly. She's, she's like, one of the people, one of the kids doing the tour. I think um, she's doing one of the tours. 
Um, so we get to see her. I love her matching sleeveless hoodie with Ashley. That was like one of the first things I noticed, which Frank, <laughs> it's okay if that's not the first thing you notice because I always have early 2000s fashion on the brain. <laughs> so this is just what I, I was noticing. I just remember Jenko jeans and wishing that God Jenko jeans would stop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, God, such good time capsule. Um, like Ashley's really heavy, like um, bob cut. And, like, how it's just not thinned enough, and, like, it just, like, I've had that haircut, so, like, I sympathize, like, and I felt like I had it around that age as well, where it's just, like, not really styled correctly yet, like, but, like, not a horrible idea to do a bob cut, but not quite there. Um, but, yeah, we meet, we meet some of those girls, we meet some of those eighth grade girls. Um, we meet Drake, so let's, let's address Drake, let's address Jimmy, who, I don't even know if they actually say his name in the episode, it's just like, oh, here's this guy, oh, he clearly is Ashley's back, oh, I guess he's dating Ashley because he just slung his arm across her, like, okay, there's my visual cues, who's also, like, her bodyguard with Spinner, by the way, how mess- We'll get to that, but, like, I had a lot of opinions for the, like, the last little bit of that episode relating to that plot. Oh, my goodness. But, like, we meet Jimmy, um, and... (laughs) I love... I want... I'm gonna take a screen cap of the fucking smirk he gives (laughs) Spinner the main bully. Because, like, Spinner and Jimmy, like, are blocking the door for Ashley and... Not Ashley, uh, Emma and Manny. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, hall pass. And I was they're like, we didn't get hall passes. Like, pfft, seventh graders. And then Drake just throws in the smirk. And I was just like, what is that? It's like, he has such... And, like, you know, once again, like, you know, we talked about this, like, last episode where it's like, you know, it's great that they have kids acting and, like, you know, there makes a realness to this. But, like, yeesh. Some of his early lines, it's like his first, like, there's like his one time, he's like, he's like saying like something like, what was that all about? He's like, what was that all about? <laughs> like his inflection is just like, so much. It's like, kiddo. At first I didn't think they were going to even give him lines. I was just like, is he just going to be like this silent force next to Spinner? Like all the time? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's, I forgot like how... Like, they really were going for Spinner. I mean, Spinner, like, he's always kind of been, like, Kay was framed as the bully. Okay, fine. He, he has his shtick. I forgot that they kind of give Jimmy inevitably that similar treatment where it's, like, he's very, like... And, of course, like, Degrassi has a race problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that now because I know it's going to come up. It's going to come up this season. It's going to continue for the rest of the series. But there's something... I don't love about one of the first black characters that we see and he's like you know like he's like the tough guy and like I hate using like the word thug but it felt like that's what they were going for he, he's the he's the skull to spinners uh he's the skull to spinners uh bulk yeah it's just like it, there's this one scene and I'll I'll just get to it so like there's this scene where like Ashley Ashley's trying to find a way to pull the strings and make this election fall into her favor. And the way that she does it is she gets in contact with JT and she tries to talk to him and barter with him, which is like not unreasonable for an eighth grader to think like, I'll just pay this kid off. <laughs> like, fine. But like, and I don't, I'm not wholly against like that happening and the plot that, that like, you know, continues with that. But the way that she gets JT is by basically sicking Jimmy and Spinner to pull him and then throw him into a room. And there was something, 
I felt like this also happened in the first episode, too, where the men are so physical in the series, and this is the second time we're seeing it, but also seeing it with, like, one of your first black characters doing it, it just, it didn't sit right with me, and, like, I don't think that's necessarily something the writers were even thinking about, but it's not, not a cute looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. Um... But yeah, he's like, he is her, like, bodyguard, basically, for the whole episode. Like, he will, like, basically, if she says jump, he says how high, like, how high. It's like that type of dynamic they're going for. Which, like, to be fair, eighth grade relationships are not wonderful (laughs) for healthy dynamics. But, um, it was interesting how he was introduced. Um, I don't really think it's a spoiler to say that Jimmy's gonna get a lot more development as a character. There's a lot more that's going to happen down the pipeline. Frank, I don't know how much you really know about it, especially because, like, there was that strong attachment people had to Drake um, because of his character of Jimmy. I I remember the only vague thing I remember from Degrassi, and I'm not even sure it's from Degrassi, is somebody saying maybe they should meet the Ashley I know and then hitting a button on a cell phone and then the person, a girl looking very upset and running away. I think that is from Degrassi. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so that's okay. So you just heard my entire foreknowledge of Degrassi in one sentence. I can't believe that's it. Like I feel like most people have at least one or two things, but no, you're really. This is great. This is why we did this podcast. I want this pure, unadulterated. I don't know what's going on feeling. But um, but yeah. So we meet Jimmy. We meet Spinner, who's like really cliched bully. Like just really basic like he he's repeated classes he's like you know picking on seventh graders the teachers know him yeah he's a reputation which like happens you know you and it's not it's weird like as a teacher i don't know if i should be revealing teacher secrets on degrassi podcast but it feels right like (laughs) teachers don't have that much resentment toward kids at least in my experience like i don't hold very much resentment toward kids who fail. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated, but it's because, like, I don't want them having to go through it again. But honestly, some of the sweetest kids I've worked with were the kids who repeated my class. Which is a really weird statement to make, but it's kind of true. I, I, I like, I, I thought, like, we were going to be in for a way bigger bombshell, like, than that. Regarding, Sorry. like, pegging kids as bad kids or something. Instead, no. it's just like, I mean, like, we don't really, we don't really dislike them that much. Like, that's the nicest secret I've ever heard about. <laughs> well, like, it's kind of weird because if you talk to teachers, like, a lot of the students that, like, I, I hesitate to say, like, you know, there's favorite students. There's certainly students who influence us a lot and change us for the better. And a lot of those students I keep in touch with well after I've worked with them. But, like, there's something about the kids that you have that are not necessarily good kids by many people's standards. Like, for whatever reason, like, we hold such a fondness toward them. And, like, <laughs> a lot of the time, like, they're not mean to us, so, like, it works. So, like, seeing a kid again in a class, it's like, like, I would just be like, God dang it, Spinner. <laughs> like, why? Come why, Spinner? <laughs> Come on, just try, please, Spinner. <laughs> no, but, like, that's really what it's like. It's me being like, I love you, but I literally never want to see you during a period of this class on my <laughs> roster ever again. Like, I want to see you as a person grow and succeed, and I literally never want to mark you for attendance for the rest of my life. <laughs> unless you're taking one of my other classes. Like, that's what it's like. But, like, yeah, no, so, like, they really set him up as, like, your your bully, your academic failure, all of that type of stuff. So, like, we meet Spinner. 
Um, what other characters do we get introduced to? Uh, Liberty Van Zant. Oh, Liberty! <laughs> oh man, I forgot that they introduced her in a way. She's such. Oh, Liberty. <laughs> How about you? You give me your initial impression of Liberty. I'm not gonna like this character. <laughs> that was my immediate thought. Oh no! Like, the, like I, I mean, maybe it's like my own high school thing where I'm just like, oh, stop trying so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Liberty. Oh, like honey. Ashley's trying hard, which is there's no nothing wrong with that. Liberty's trying too hard, and also talking the third person is an instant way to get on my nerves. Yeah, just Liberty, honey, I forgot, I forgot how embarrassing her introduction is, because, like, once again, I look at things from, like, a slightly different lens, and, like, I was just like, oh, no, honey, and, like, there's something about her, though, that's so seventh grade that, like, I can, I can accept it enough, but, like... Because, Because there's a moment where you're just, like... Because everybody has this, or a few people have this moment, like, I've decided this is who I am. I am Liberty Van Zant, president, secretary to the president. (laughs) Or just, like, I I found this a lot. Like, I took a trip to, my family took a trip to Thailand or whatever. We were there for three days, but now I'm suddenly a yogi or whatever. That's completely different cultures. But, like, I'm all into, like, the Thai culture and whatnot. (laughs) Like, she's just, oh, honey child. Like, she just gets introduced and, like... It's so funny because, like, she knows her lot in life as a seventh grader. Like, she's not trying to get the top. Like, she's not <laughs> trying to dismantle the, the like, social hierarchy that exists. But, gosh darn it, she wants to be a part of it. Like, <laughs> I just... I don't want to be king president, but I would like to be middle management. Yeah, like, she's just, like, that's what she wants to do. And, like, I respect that. I respect that so much. But, oh my goodness gracious, Liberty Honey... Ah, man, like, she's one of those kids, like, as a teacher, you're just like, this will get better, this will get better, this kid will be okay, this kid, this kid, because, like, a kid like Liberty, at least when you're presented with that in seventh grade, you're like, okay, unless this kid horrendously crashes and burns going to high school, this kid will probably be okay. However, I'm still going to have the most intense secondhand embarrassment interacting with this child for, like, the whole entire year because I know this is a work in progress. And, like, that's the thing about Liberty is, like, you can tell she has good intentions. You can tell that she wants to do good things. It's just she doesn't know how to go about it yet. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, oh, can we also... I just also want to bring up the very opening scene, the uh, fight for the bathroom. Yes. Oh, my goodness. We have not even addressed this yet. Where Toby and Ashley, like, Toby's just like, you have to call me the, call me the coolest guy ever, which is just a fucking basic move. Um, yeah. And then he's just like, oh, did you forget something else? Like, you're training, brah. Oh. Like, what is, like, I don't ever remember, like, giving people shit for still developing. Like... Does he expect her not to wear a training bra? Come on, get get with the scene, Toby. I mean, I don't know. I will say this about Toby and, like, that scene. Like, 
I think what ends up happening sometimes is like, so you're speaking about this from the experience of having a sister, right? Yeah. An older sister who presumably went through puberty and like did all that type of stuff. And like, so, so like having a girl around you is, and like the, I don't want to say, like, how do I say it? Like the growing up and being a girl thing, like it's not entirely foreign to you. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem that ends up happening is like, especially like, I think what they're going for with this is like Toby does not interact with girls. Other than, like, now Emma and Manny, but that feels like a recent development. So, yeah. like, I guess it just kind of speaks to, like, how inconsiderate he still yeah. is. Because, like, he doesn't understand slash doesn't care to understand how deeply personal still, that is. Still at the you gro- girls are gross stage, you know? Yeah, I think that's what they were going for. But, like, oh my god, I didn't need to watch him grab her training bra put it on, and then, like, shake his chest at her. I felt so bad for her. I was mortified for her. I, well, just going back to the, like, making fun of somebody for still developing, I remember, did you, there's a movie called Sleepaway Camp. Did you ever see it? No, I haven't. It's, it's some 70s movie bullshit, mm-hmm. but, like, there's this young girl, and, like, some of the other girls are just like, oh, but she hasn't even gotten her period yet. And I was watching this with, like, a few female friends, and one of them just goes, oh, God, lucky. <laughs> I will say this, at least, like, being somebody who, as somebody who is designated female at birth, like, I've experienced the whole, like, being in middle school, high school, while a lot of other people designated female at birth were going through puberty. Um, and I will say this, it's, like, it's weird, because there's, like, a window and I noticed that uh, growing up, it was like there was a period of time where it wasn't the end of the world. But like we, I know there were some girls in our grade who like didn't get her period yet until she was like 16 or so, and that's when it started being weird. Even though that's a totally natural bodily function. I, I just I just found it so find it so weird to like dig people at that because I'm just like this isn't a diss. Like call them dumb. That's always a good diss. <laughs> like... Yeah, I just. <sighs> Yeah, no, I think they were really going for that whole, like, this is a rivalry, as in they are coming from different perspectives, but once again, I did not need to watch Toby do that. I I feel like there could have been another way. I really didn't need to see that. (laughs) Just, uh... But what I will say about the episode, I love, like... A lot of the be- a lot of the episode I find to be kind of a wash, particularly because once again I always have this moral conundrum of I don't understand if this is satire or if it's a sincere like look at student council presidency. As in my school, it didn't matter, and the only time it mattered was senior year, and the only reason why that mattered was because it was okay. So whoever's the student council president is going to do a speech at graduation. Who do we actually want to hear do a speech? Yeah, and like that was it. So, like, it's really hard for me to get into that type of plot. Um, But what I will say is I really like how it ended. Much like, I think, the last time we, like, the scene with Emma and Spike, and that was really, really good. In this scene, I thought the scene with Ashley and Toby kind of trying to make sense of their perspectives, Mm -hmm. I thought was great. Yeah, I I was just confused because, like, she's like, at least hear my speech, and then we don't get to hear the speech. Like, yeah, like cut for time, I guess. Like, well, I'm more referring to like the scene after the fact, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, but that would I just that because I just want to give the build up to it is like because Toby finds out that Ashley paid JT to 80 bucks, (laughs) that's a hell of a lot of money for a student council president, yeah, right? (laughs) Anyway, like, um. 
So, like, uh, JT resigns from the race, and then, or, like, while JT is doing his stand-up, Toby confronts Ashley about, um, about, like, the bribery, and he's just like, I'm gonna expose you, and I'll be, you know, like, all this stuff, and, like, then they have, like, yeah, like, they have a very touching moment of trying to just work it out, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Drake calls her Miss President and walks away. Yeah. (laughs) He's really coming in with the one-liners this episode. (laughs) He had, like, three lines, like, the whole thing. I know, but, like, none of them felt like they were actual dialogue. They were just, like, tacked on in the scene. Like, I don't think he actually, like, had an exchange with anybody in the whole episode. He, like, talks, he, like, adds something at the end of it, like a little zinger. And, like, that's it. Like, he doesn't, like, we know that he and Ashley are together, but it's not necessarily because they call each other boyfriend and girlfriend. It is purely based on physical interactions that hold this over. <laughs> like, I saw Ashley holding the money. I was like, she could pay like like when they bring JT in, and I was like, she could pay them to beat him up. <laughs> oh my god! Honestly, the way that they they like the cinematography of that scene, I would believe it. Like it was dark, it was dingy. She's like looking like they looked like they were really trying to channel like a mob scene in that, and like it was really uncomfortable. Like I found that whole sequence so uncomfortable. Like I didn't hate the bribery aspect. Once again, I think that could have been done in a way that didn't make me feel like I was about to see a mob hit. <laughs> committed by eighth graders <laughs> like couldn't she have just stopped him on his way to the bus or walking home We're like hey i'll give you 80 bucks to drop the race it's like dawn <laughs> yeah like i'm i never like i don't know you like never ever pass up the chance to have a kid especially when eighth grade where you're the girl where a lot of the time like um you know ashley's much taller than jt because puberty like I, I, you could have had her like looming <laughs> over him in a way that would have been kind of interesting and like I do love that all the girls are so much taller than all the boys. Well, like <laughs> that's how it happens. Really, that's what happens, <laughs> and like you know, that's 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 how it goes. Um, and they kind of nail once again, like how different seventh grade and eighth grade is, like even in terms of like how they look. Like seventh graders look like infants. <laughs> eighth graders still look like infants, but they're getting there. <laughs> um, and also, Manny and Emma are still just constantly getting harassed harassed hassled but yeah. <laughs> hmm I made that a new word harassled it's Har- I'm being harassed by being hassled <laughs> yeah no I think that's like the embodiment of being in middle school anyway so <laughs> um but anyway but they they um like they come up with a really good plan where like he uh spinner spits like a spit wad or something at uh Manny, she starts to like fake cry. Yes. And then another eighth grade girl's like, Way to go, you asshole Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I paraphrasing, but that's yeah. probably the sentiment. It's true, it's true. Um I love Manny. Man, I, I feel like I said that last episode too. I just love Manny. I love a lot of the girls in the series. Like they are very like I mean, they're, like, I feel like ultimately, like, a lot of Degrassi stuff, like, there's an attempt made, whether or not they really do it well, it's kind of debatable, but, like, there's something that I just love about Manny in the past, like, three episodes we've seen that just is very real and very, I don't know, I love her. I mean, I, do you think they did it that way so that, like, because I kind of had the thought that maybe, like, 
these girls, like, they don't snitch to a teacher. Like, they just are like, we need to take care of this by ourselves. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's not gonna, like, get fixed if we go talk to a teacher. I mean, I think that... I think that's a very real reaction. I don't know if it's intentionally supposed to be commentary on bullying and lack uh, lack thereof support. Um, Degrassi does talk about bullying at a later point, um, which... I feel like especially in this current political climate will be a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. But um, they do try to explicitly address it. I don't know if this is necessarily talking about it. Um, but I don't think they would... I feel as though, assuming I was a Degrassi writer, I feel like they wouldn't mind you reading it that way. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Adults <laughs> in Degrassi, teachers in Degrassi, like, it's a mixed bag, like, how they go about it like i can't tell how much of it is trying to depict realistic portrayals of adults in kids lives and how there are adults that will have your back and adults that won't or how much of it is just they didn't feel like getting an actor to to be there like i don't know sometimes with degrassi um but yeah so although you will see eventually like once again with the topic of bullying they are going to really try and come hard, especially on how some of the administration may handle these types of topics. Maybe setting the stage now. Okay. Maybe. I don't know how deep planning they do on this series. I can never really tell. I mean, it still seems like, uh, unless I, I, like I said, it still feels like they kind of moved on from the whole uh, Emma, like, was nearly assaulted thing pretty quickly, but I mean that might come up later. Yeah, um, uh, Degrassi once again it's a mixed bag because it's like <laughs> they do this issue of the week type of format. I mean this one was a pretty innocuous issue of sibling like rivalry and sibling dynamics, um, and some of them are going to be harder hitting than others. Some of them are going to come back more often than others. Um, I feel like they are going to hide. I, it feels a bit like they're hiding under the fact that that happened during the summer. Mm-hmm. And even though it's like, you know, a pretty quick turnaround, they'll be like, yeah, well, there were a couple of days that Emma was at home and could recoup. And now she's back and she's better than ever. Okay. And like she has her friends. I don't know. It's, it's a mixed bag with a lot of topics. Okay. As you will see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So... I guess my my question because I love I love hearing this because you are my my guinea pig and I get to hear your rankings as it happens. Character feelings. Which characters are you feeling are at the top tier in terms of who you like and which ones are you still trying to figure out? Uh, Manny. Um, I'm, I'm liking her like figuring out how to deal with things on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ashley's. Ashley needs to, like, chill, and I think I'll like her. <laughs> okay. Ashley and Toby need to chill. I liked... The, I, he's, like, downgraded a little bit because for being a little shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I understand why he's being a little shit, but... Eh. <laughs> um, this is why I want to ask you this every episode, because, like, <laughs> characters will be up here and they'll be down there very quickly. Uh, Drake. I want to see more... I want to see why people remember Drake for this. <laughs> Spinner, I'm hoping, like, he's a sweet boy in disguise, but I'm not putting too much faith in it. (laughs) Um, Liberty Van Zandt needs to also chill and stop talking to goddamn third person. (laughs) Um, Where does JT rank after this? 
because he recognized that he needs to step down, he's he's okay. Okay, okay, okay. Emma. Oh, I also want to point out, I like the fact that when he starts doing his stand-up, nobody laughs. laughs. It's like the audience's the audience reaction mirrors my own. There's like a few chuckles at one joke, and that's it. She's maintaining, like, I was, I'm still pretty pumped on Emma. Mm. Like, I feel like there's, there's gonna be some some good stuff going on there. Um, I'm, I'm gonna skip Terry, because you didn't even remember Terry when I brought her up. Terry? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor uh, Terry. Paige? Yeah, uh, Paige, where you fall on Paige. <laughs> I, well, she reminds me a lot of Quinn and the Fashion Club from Daria, and I love uh, those characters, so I'm getting, I'm getting sick pumped on uh, Paige. Good. That's exactly how you should feel about and Paige. And the, the teacher who just pops in and points out to Toby that, like, hey, those are ten cents a page. <laughs> Snake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Snake's just like, he's the patience of a saint. <laughs> but I feel like you need it if you're working with middle schoolers. I couldn't do it. I, I subbed for a year and I just could not handle the with kids. God, God, like, bless you for being able to do it, Donnie. <laughs> it's, honestly, as long as you have an intense amount of flexibility and understanding that they are still working on, like, logic, it's not too bad. I, I mean, yeah, I just, like... It's not for everyone. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i glad I realized that. It's just not for me. Yeah, um, I think that's critical. I don't... I, I didn't have any kids, I would say. Like, these kids were awful. Like, the one... My last class, I got to teach Romeo and Juliet, and I was just... I had so much fun doing that. But, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just not for everyone, much like teaching is not for everyone. Like, I, I said, like, okay, who's here who's been hurt by love? And a few of them, like, raised their hands. Oh like, my good, you got it out quick. The rest of you, it's a comedy. Oh no! <laughs> and then I was like, "But this ain't a love story. This is a tragedy because these kids, the Romeo and Juliet, are idiots." <laughs> oh, honeys! They Aww. wanted me back. So sweet. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like with Romeo and Juliet in particular, it's like you gotta be kind of like, especially at this point, the kids know the story. Yeah. <laughs> so like, they're gonna have you know, opinions, and they're gonna go into it, and I feel like you gotta be kind of upfront and have a slight sense of humor about it, because if you don't, they're gonna be bored, and you're gonna be bored. Yeah, I also taught them, like, all the dirty jokes in it. Great, great, <laughs> good, good to know that while your teaching stint was brief, you <laughs> Brief but memorable. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, so, any recommendations if you are interested in sibling rivalries, student elections, or anything like that? Um, the so I mean, I mentioned Daria, like, for sibling sibling rivalries, because mm-hmm. it takes five seasons, but they eventually start liking each other, and, mm-hmm. like, watching Darius, like, just constantly blast, twi- blast Quinn, um, Modern Family also is pretty good for sibling rivalries, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's it, uh, Eric, no, her real name is, oh god, I'm so bad with names today, Haley and... The, the one played by Ariel Winter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I think those are more realistic. <laughs> um, or not, like, more but more fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I still feel like this is pretty fun. This was pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, for elections? I mean, the movie election? <laughs> right. 
Um, I have I have one that is directly about student elections. Okay. Um, it's called The Election. It's by Don Zelitis. Um, it's like a typical high school fall play. Like, the thing, the typical, like, high school play that gets put on. So, like, you could probably find pretty quickly a high school in your immediate area that does it. Um, my school that I, or that I taught at for a little while did it this year. Um, it's legitimately really funny um, because it's like a very upfront satire about <laughs> elections using a student election as a framework for it. So it's very, it's very direct. It's it's like, it's finding that very clear stance that like, I feel like a lot of these election things I can never tell, but this one is very upfront. Um, and what's really fun about it is that in the stage notes, it encourages you to create, like it encourages the production to do like really funny advertisements and stuff like <laughs> election advertisements so like if you get to see it in super multimedia it's really funny so like i really enjoyed it uh, so if you're interested in in student elections and maybe you are a high school drama teacher you may want to check that out because it's a really fun really fun play that i that i got to see a couple months ago <laughs> all right cool all right shall we close it up yep so I hope we can keep making it through. It looks like we were able to do it for another episode. Um, please continue to listen as we continue to explore the trials and tribulations of middle schoolers of ambiguous age. Because <laughs> I really thought they were in high school. Whoops! <laughs> please uh, rate and review and subscribe to us on iTunes. And we'll have our contact information in the description notes. Yep. Because uh, we, this is only like our second week doing this, and we don't have any of that yet. But we will by the time this goes out. Exactly. So um, we're planning. We're planning ahead. We're making a bank for you to enjoy. Yeah. Um. I'm on Teen Girl Talk. If you want to hear my sister and I talk about non Degrassi teen stuff, uh, including. Well, at this point, we're just finishing up April, which was a month of horse movies, which is, which if I can survive this, I can survive anything Degrassi has to throw at me. Because <laughs> those. those the horse movies were horrifying. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if there's any horses in Degrassi, and I'm drawing. I, I unfortunately, I think there might not be, which is a true shame and a true like. I wanted to test you. I'm um, I'm fine with horses. I am not fine with horse media. <laughs> um, I am not somebody who has a podcast outside of this one. So if you ever want to hear my dulcet ch tones, this is the only place that you can hear them. However, if you want to contact me on Twitter or read about some of my experiences as a queer and trans teacher, you can check out my Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Um, feel free to follow and at me and please don't correct me too much i'm re-watching this for the first time in a while thank you <laughs> yes if you're gonna email us please be kind <laughs> please please anyway with that being said um we'll we'll see ya mm -hmm. see you later whatever it takes <laughs> we're gonna come up with closer we yeah. promise <laughs> whatever it takes we hope we can make it through <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go all we're gonna go all the way <sighs> <laughs> All right, bye. bye. <laughs> Family politics, yeah. I don't wanna play that game. Hate it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just cause you're in my life doesn't give you the right to control me, no. Hey, everybody. Frank here with one last thing before I go. Um, we know this show is very important to a lot of people for various reasons, and we want to give you a chance to express that. Now, we've made the offer to co-host if you'd like, 
um, you know, join us on an episode. But if you don't have time for that, but you still want to have your voice be heard, you can write to us at ihopepod at gmail.com. You can either send me an audio link, or if you don't want to speak, um, that's more than fine. And you can just send us a, like, send your own personal uh, feelings about the episode, and either Donnie or I will read it on the, will read it on the air. Um, yeah, so just, if you have anything you want to say about a particular episode, write us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Alright, and uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. All right, bye.